Let's start with who are you and what do you do? So I'm Neha Datta. I am a digital sales engineering professional working with EXL and I've been in the industry for more than two decades. Two decades. And where did your career start? My career started with uh, something that I'm transforming now after 20 years, which is a contact center agent. So I used to call for uh, Capital One and America Online. And then I grew into the value chain to do stuff like process excellence and improvements. And then Six Sigma, uh, then I became a master black belt and then transformation consultant and then digital transformation. Uh, then I helped set up cloud center of excellences. And now I'm, I have encapsulated all the digital transformation uh, journey that I've had so far in helping solution this for our clients and package all of what digital EXL has to offer and help solution them in whatever problems that they are going through. So I just have to ask, <clears throat> it's a male-dominated industry. What is it like being a woman who is emerging in this category? I mean, you're clearly a, a global leader in digital transformation, but it, it, was it as easy as it would be for a man? I'm a man, so I have no perspective. Just enlighten me. What's it like? So I would not say that it's been very, very seamless. I think um, uh, there are all kinds of organizations, like, right? uh, And I think uh, that you work with and all kinds of peers and colleagues. So I think there are times when you have to take a setback if you have different priorities in your life, like raising a kid or something like that. So I think uh, as an individual, I've gone through that and I had to take back two years of my life because I was raising my kid and I could not have given 14 hours to my job. And I took a set, setback at that time. But I think in the last five to eight years, I've seen that um, this, the whole DNI is not really uh, something on papers. I think uh, most of the organizations are following it. And I'm very happy to say that EXL definitely has followed it. And though I could still be a minority in the you know gender gap tech world, but uh, I, I still think that our opinions matter. We are given privileges to more training and to more exposure that we can get. Our opinions are valued. Uh, flexibility uh, is you know, given to us when we require. And I think equal opportunities. So I think it's getting better. And I always speak in whichever forums that I am, that if you have taken STEM as your career and you're not able to grow because of this man, male-dominated, uh, I think it's about the right kind of choices that you make. Uh, and you need to be vocal about what you want to do and how can you add more value. And and then I'm sure there are people who are ready to listen to you and reciprocate. You know, I, that's great to know that you're in a place that is manifesting the, your leadership. You you you've just you've been in the United States for just a few years. What brought you to the United States? Tell me about that journey. Sure. So uh, back in India, I was doing the role that I was and was absolutely working fine. It's a you know remote world. We work with clients across the globe. Um, what brought me to the U.S. was uh, right bringing the whole story or understanding the perspectives of our clients, sitting right next to them as the world was opening up after COVID. I think people were, people were more willing to meet you in person, and that whole um, you know connectivity thing was booming again. And we wanted uh, more digital friendly people to be front ending with our clients so that 
the story that we want to get a, get out is not something that you know we can help you with processes or we can help you with something that you that any other provider that can you ha- can help you with we want you to really differentiate excel and tell them that you know this is what our value proposition is so we needed more front end leaders to be able to go and sit with our clients and help solve problems with them do workshops with them do discoveries with them and that's what uh, intrigued me and brought me about almost 2700 miles <laughs> that's a lot of miles so i think about the uh, six sigma thing what how how is that do you think made a difference in your career in customer experience so i would say that it's a very very strong foundation that that helped me and and still helps me because it's it's a kind of discovery or a blueprinting methodology which helps you identify gaps which helps you identify inefficiencies it's uh it's it's a framework and unlike any other framework at that point in time for about 2 to 3 decades it helped a lot of automotive and manufacturing industries solve their problems solve solve their problems by process mapping and figuring out what you know metrics that they should target so i take i take the framework and the methodology and i try to imbibe it in everything that i do right now which is let's look at uh, you know what kind of problems are uh, are you know are we dealing with and what is the kind of inefficiencies are we dealing with how can we improve them what are the kind of matrix that we should looking at the importance of data right now we are all saying data is a new currency so six sigma is all about data it's all about statistics because data tells you a whole lot of story so i think all of these things it's only that you look at it in the context of cx but now we are talking about customer data and analytics and customer journeys that's all just data that we look and we just don't spin it in mini tab and we don't run regression on it but we run analytics and we give meaningful outcomes out of that data so i think it's the same thing it's just been put to a different use it's funny you said that but that's a bias because you think it i run into so many people who if they had more lean six sigma they would probably find a little bit um better success at customer experience myself included probably tell me about what do, what do you see in your you're working with a lot of different brands and a lot of different challenges are there any commonalities in the problems that you see as people go to transformation or cx yeah um on top of my head i could think of two uh one is adoption so the way that they've been dealing with things right either ways either too much human too much technology or something right whenever they try and do something new typically what happens is organizations will make a lot of tech investments then they would want transformation out of it but who is going to be you know delivering all of those transformation right it's your people and they were not a part of this journey so change management i think it's a it's it's a lesser known fact but it's becoming a bigger devil and now i i see things like change management workshops change management evangelist because people have technologies people have transformation leaders but they cannot drive that transformation if their people on the grounds are not bought into what they are trying to do so i think adoption from whatever technologies that they get and the right kind of change management that is one problem which i see common uh and the second problem that i see is um multiple priorities right so i think year 1 they will focus on uh, efficiency and then they'll focus on revenue acceleration and i think sometimes it confuses 
so I think, uh, and that's where we sometimes help those organizations in a clear roadmap of what you need to do when, uh, because you can't do like uh, 50 things in one year. So I think a clear roadmap is something that some of the organizations are struggling with, which we help them and then um, adoption or uh, lack of change management. Interesting. In these companies that you're seeing, do you feel like I'm these are really curious questions for myself, which are. Do you think that. First of all, a couple of questions to each other. Do you think customer experience should be its own department within an organization? I think it should be an own department. It's a separate department. Yes. Okay. And then my next question is, if it's own, it's if it's its own department, how many people do you think for let's say just to quantify this, a Fortune 500 business, how big should that internal CX team be? So I think uh, how big. A, it should be an own department, but how big they should be, I think will, will really depend on how wide or diverse their customer experience is, right? If they have adopted technology way early and their channels are more, uh, you know, automated, then of course you will not need a very, very, uh, you know, uh, human intensive CX team. But I think more than the number of people, I would like to answer that I think they should still have people who are looking at customer journey mapping in persona so that the right kind of information gets fed into your product, your marketing, your inside sales. You should have somebody to look at, you know, your, your design team so that they continuously look at your website and your UI, UX of various things that you're doing. And then a feedback loop or an, or an audit or a quality team, which can go and give all of the inputs that you get from the analytics to all the other functions uh, that, you know, that are very, very closely linked to CX. Um, and having said that it should be its own department, it does not mean that the flavor of the, that only that function has to drive CX, right? I think there has to be an accountability or there has to be some, uh, you know, cohorts, other cohorts also owning up that CX. But I think that that function needs to have enough buy-in to be able to drive things, but at the same time have linkages from other departments where they also own CX. Yeah, I, I... <clears throat> I, I won't say that the brand, but I do know of, I do know that the incentive for customer experience is sort of a challenging uh, corporate culture item to, to drive. And I know a global software company that they had customer experience solutions for quite a while, but <clears throat> they weren't able to get companies to buy them and adopt them and it's because their sales teams were incented to sell other things and it wasn't until there was a quota put on cx that cx started to move <clears throat> and i think that that's that's really interesting until you make bonuses or incentives linked to it linked to cx it's just it's just an, a, a fancy idea yep, yep you yep. see that what do you think, um, in the world of CX, what do you see from your vantage point is the, the, biggest, the biggest asset for a company that's trying to introduce CX? Like, do they, I, I'll give you some scenarios that go through my, my head. Let's say I have an enterprise, if I have an enterprise level CRM of any kind, 
there's a lot of Data. hooks there to make CX happen. But if I have, um, uh, let's say, conversely, I have a mobile app that has a ton of users already onboarded, what do you think are the key factors that accelerate or or create an environment where CX really takes hold? What do you see? What, what are the components that make CX easy to implement or expand? I would definitely say that um, having the right kind of data for your customers or subscribers or members, that's that's definitely helpful, right? So for instance, if we were, if we were to talk about in the same scenario, uh, a pet company, right? And if they already have 20 million subscribers who buy stuff for them, right? I think that's that's like uh, that's like a gold mine that they're already sitting, right? Because they have their data, they have their journeys, they have their information, the behaviors, right? The behaviors, the personas, and they can actually curate journeys for them. If they were to launch three more additional products, they are already sitting on a database which they just need to nourish and nurture so that you know those three product lines can also uh, take the uh, you know leverage the same database. So I think that. So not only subscribers, but the right kind of data that you collect for those subscribers. I think that's very important. And uh, second, I think very important is, uh, like you were talking about, a CX, a CX uh, you know, that directive at an enterprise level that, you know, the way we want to drive CX, right? I think that has to be established so that it's not getting driven by efficiency or sales or uh, you know, your my cost to serve and all of that, right? How are we looking CX? Do we have the right kind of KPIs? Do we have the right kind of people driving it? Do we have some people owning it? I think that's second. And um, third is um, they need to be, I think, somewhat aligned to the idea of technology when they talk about uh, the CX and their brand, right? Uh, because if you are completely thinking that, you know, humans will take the call and my whole CX will be driven like that, uh, I think they'll have a problem in scaling up. So I think if you are aligned to, to a technology mindset, um, you have a CX buy-in at an enterprise level, and you have uh, you have good quality data of your uh, customers. I think you're you have all the right foundations for a good CX strategy. Great answer. Here, here's a here's because you're so knowledgeable. I'm gonna ask you ask some real questions. Here's the question: P Pretend I'm a new CXO. Let's say a brand has said, "I we're gonna we're gonna invest. We're gonna do this. We're gonna get a CXO." I get hired as a CXO. Who are the first two people I should hire on my team? You should hire me first. <laughs> <laughs> For all the knowledge that I can give you. That's right. Um, so, but let, let's unpack that. I think that's right. So, so many times to get an acceleration of adoption and and efficiency of best practices, going, if I was a new CXO and I said, I'm going to hire EXL, that is a really smart accelerator. But let's, so I give you that. <laughs> but let's talk about the first in-house two hires. Who are the two people I need with me? to be successful? I think we need to hire um, a data analyst, okay. somebody who can look at the data that you currently store and have and collect and use, right? Uh, and it could be a data analytics expert. It could be some somebody who's good with data. Uh, and second is, I think the person that they should be looking at is a journey mapping 
professional uh, because I think one is upstream and one is downstream. You need to understand what kind of journeys do you currently have and how is your process stitched. And then you need to look at what are you collecting through those journeys and how are you making use of that data. And I think as he continues to grow, he will just add more people like ancillaries to this. But I think this will cover the spectrum of upstream downstream. You know, that's so spot on from my vantage point. I've been I've been following these stories for the last three months. I've I now there was one a year ago, and now there's three different journey mapping platforms that go reach across the journey and they put the KPIs in them. I'm just I love seeing that happen. I think you're right. You have to marriage marry the uh, the journeys with the data. You have to research and then you have to refine. Okay, but let's let's take this one step further. I'm the CXO. I hire the most awesome data person ever. Here's what happens. I hire them and then all the people in the in the company who have data hate this person and don't want to share their data. <laughs> That sounds very, very familiar. Um, I think if they have data, but they are, uh, if they have data and if, if, if it's just about sharing, uh, you know, the data with that, uh, with that person, I think. Okay, just let's be honest. I am the CXO. I hire a data analyst who's awesome. Data analyst. And we all agree the data analyst is like, you know what, let's try to look at the CRM data first, right? And they go to the CRM owner, product owner, the email person, let's say. Mm. And the email person says, okay, fine, I'll work with you. Let's share data. And the data person says, let's get all these pieces of data. The email person and the data person, they go back to IT and IT says, we don't, we can't give you that information. That happens all the time. I think we'll have to look at some alternative sources. Uh, oh. I think we can we can always get stumble blocks like that, right? Right? You know, I think we can always. Uh, and the way I think about it is, I really believe in the power of execution. And uh, if and if it's not ha happening, big bang, I would like to take small steps and see, uh, you know, how does it happen? And uh, what I have seen from a vantage point is a proof of concept or a proof of value uh, in a small. Maybe people need successes to see that it really works because the IT people might be thinking, I've done that before, I'll land into trouble or it doesn't go anywhere. We've never done that before. How will it happen now? So I think uh, if we have to really prove that, you know, data can help us solve a lot of problems, we can parallelly track and work out the office, you know, dynamics and work that out. But I think we can definitely figure out some data collection that we can do uh, you know, not retrospectively, but proactively, starting now, refresh data, and then use that. How can we use that data to, you know, our outcomes, and then go back and say that, you know, this is how we were able to use it. So if we were able to get 10x of this data, this is the amount of value, and top down. That is the best answer I've ever heard. Is just say, fine, I'll get, I'll start with the data I have. And you're right. I, I, I know. I often try to explain to people if you can get. Three metrics that collaborate, they could be social metrics, they could be whatever, but if you can get feedback from three different places in the journey anywhere, 
you can scale that up. Yeah. Yeah. That's- and I think one other thing to think about it is uh, maybe your organization has a lot of data, a lot of rich data, right? But there are a lot of other data which is available in the market for sale as well, right? A lot of geographic data, demographic data and all of that. There are companies who do that. You can, so I'm not boasting about EXL, but EXL, companies like EXL have 524 a million entities of data that we have for all the US, you know, subscribers and everything. So I think you can, if you want to really prove something, you can do with data that you have or data that you can buy or data that you can start collecting from tomorrow with five agents and say that this is what I was able to collect in five days. If I was able to collect it for the five years, you cannot imagine the amount of value we'll be able to drive. Fantastic. What is what is your preferred um, path? to connect the data to the journeys? Data to the journeys. I would say that, you know, we will have to look at the value chain in which the process works. And then we would have to look at the different channels in which our customers are contacting us and then link the journey mapping in terms of what are the different channels, different interactions that our customers are making with a particular brand today and how does that journey work out? A lot of times we would be working with organizations who have multiple tenets of offerings, right? Like, let's say a bank, so a loan, a refund, uh, a savings, right? So we should look at, we should keep the customer at the center. We should keep the different journeys of the customer throughout the value chain, uh, the different interactions and the different channels that he is adopting. Point of inflection that, you know, where the customer is at a high or where the journeys are broken or where the journeys are fragmented. And then use that data to our value to understand that, okay, this is maybe a priority A issue because uh, I'm, like I said, going straight to execution, but this is priority A because these are broken journeys and we have a lot of, you know, grievance and disgruntled customers here. But these are our customers who've taken like a lifetime value of a customer. These are the customers who've taken 80% of what we have to offer. And we should just keep them, you know, their loyalty score will be really high. Or these are the customers who've only taken 20% of what we have to offer. So they should be, you know, uh, nurtured well and they should be given more uh, services, so uh, more cross-selling to them. So I think we should have a customer persona uh, that we should identify. We should identify the LTV of a customer through the whole journey and then see that if there are any channel deflections that we want to make, do we want to induce technology? Do we want to, uh, you know, have some specialized agents taking some kind of calls? And, uh, of course, work on empathy on some of the customers where we're not doing a good job in terms of complaints and all of that. How do you measure empathy? I think you can, it will It will vary uh, at the maturity of the organization. It will vary depending on the brand. But uh, the way, very, very tactically, some of the places that I can, that, that I can look at is proactively, in a conversation, I can I can measure empathy by your a sentiment analysis, right? Uh, looking at the choice of words, looking at the pauses, your intonation, um, the way you're talking to me, right? And the words that you're using. So I think vulnerability, I think we can do that proactive. And post facto also, because with all of these technologies, you get call transcripts, right? So you can definitely look at the call transcripts and have an AI or have an agent identify that, you know, um, maybe this required a different nature of, uh, you know, the treatment that we gave to the customers. So giving you an example, we were working with uh, some, uh, a particular client and they wanted to, uh, for us to identify vulnerability. 
because they wanted to understand whether our customers are uh, you know comfortable in paying us or not so we were able to identify vulnerability by flags that we induced by choice of words so you can definitely do that the other way we can measure empathy is um, more than measure induce empathy is by you know making our uh, having context added to what we are talking to our customers with right so in us i see a lot of you know uh, floods here and this here and all of that so i think if we give a lot of context to our agents who are really day in day out talking to uh, you know our customers we can understand that you know whether they are getting the right kind of empathy or not and i think not only in agents we need to teach empathy to ai as well right um even in the conference today we saw right somebody had sent a chat to an ai saying that uh, i'm very upset with the way my problem was not getting solved and the ai said oh i'm very happy to hear that because it must have picked up the wrong words and then coded the wrong response yeah so just i could go on and on and on here just cuz i want to get the most value to the audience based on your expertise this year this current market trend is there a vertical that is what is the easiest vertical right now today to implement cx i would say banks and retail banks because from what we are seeing and hearing right now i think they would definitely need uh, both efficiency and empathy because they would want to reduce their cost to serve uh, and retail because of the size and scale i think the amount of people that they touch uh every day in the way that their brands uh right small big or medium uh i think they have scale already they have data already they have customers already uh i think they really have the channel to uh you know implement cx and work it work it as per them perfect all right just to bring it all full circle in closing what advice would you give to a young woman who is starting out in technology and and wants to find her way is is with the most value possible okay i would say a couple of things uh, from personal experience a um, uh, keep yourself upskill so keep learning keep refreshing your skills uh, not because it could go obsolete or anything but i think you need to continuously upskill yourself uh, have a mentor Uh, either from the same or different industry i think it's always good to have an outside in perspective um and see uh be open to try out new things uh, i see a lot of not not only women but men they they are in a particular field for more than 10 to 12 years and then they are afraid to try out new things i think if we don't try out change and if we don't try out new things we will be very it will be very difficult for us to learn so i think to learn you need to new you need to experience new things so embrace change if it comes by design or if it comes by choice um have a mentorship or something or if you want to be a mentee to a uh, mentor to someone and uh, third is upskill yourself and i think that's what i can see that has worked for me and i would definitely want other women leaders to uh, get that Awesome. Neha, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you Dennis for having me here. It was a pleasure having this conversation. Thank you.